This is the Revenue with Real Estate podcast, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Are you ready to talk some real estate investing? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Doug Myers, host of the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. And it's been a little while since we've done a show. I'm glad to be back behind the mic here to finally break the silence. And in this episode, bringing in a fantastic conversation with the real estate investor dad. That's right. The real estate investor dad, Wayne Hillier. And I'm so glad I've got the pronunciation right, having done the introduction after actually recording the show, because I butchered Wayne's name multiple times in the actual episode itself. It was quite funny and quite embarrassing at the same time. That being said, Wayne Hillier, investing since 2013 in Edmonton, Alberta with his wife, Gabrielle, and his five-year-old daughter, very much a family-run business. He's the owner of Prairie Home Investments and a new company that he started up called Murabaha Homes. We're going to learn a lot about that. It is an incredibly cool product. I'm going to leave it at that. Let the suspense build. He is the host of the Real Estate Investor Dad podcast, which, by the way, I got the pleasure of being on a couple of weeks ago. So if you want to check that out and hear a little bit more about my story, you can do that. It's an interesting conversation, self-proclaimed, because I am biased, of course. And yeah, you can check that out over on his podcast, the Real Estate Investor Dad podcast. I think he's got it on YouTube, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Wayne's a great host. It was a fun time. It was a really enjoyable conversation, and I enjoyed sharing my story. I don't do that a whole lot. So A thank you to Wayne for that. He's a specialist in creative seller financing strategies, although we don't really talk a whole ton about that on the podcast. We just free flow. We have a good time. We talk a little bit about his origin story, why he got started in investing. We talk about investing in yourself and how he's taken these creative seller financing strategies to build Murabaha Homes. Again, I'm not going to go into too much here in the intro because I just want Wayne to share it. At the end of the day, this is just a cool conversation. I'm glad that this is the one that I'm returning to the mic and returning to this podcast on because it really just is an organic flowing conversation with a incredible guy, a fun investor to chat with, and a man with a good head on his shoulders. Please welcome into the Revenue with Real Estate podcast to break the silence, Wayne Hillier. There's really no formal intro here. Um, and I haven't done... I figure while we were talking about Peter Baelish, I'm like, he could just totally start the podcast right now. He totally could. Yeah. That's that's exactly how I do it now. Cause because yeah. it's my show, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The intros trying. are hard. Intros are super hard, man. It's hard to to kind of just go into it and you know what I mean? Unless you've got like a practice script, you know, for the intro, which I, I don't even have. No. You know, this long. No, I'm just trying to um I'm just trying to be as good as you were last week. I feel like you and I have spent more time together in the past two weeks than we ever have before. Because it's true. true. That is true. Our relationship is flourishing. Yeah. And some relationships are drifting. But we're not drifting, Dwayne. We're coming closer together. Yeah. You called me Dwayne. Dwayne. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Now we're starting. Boom. That's me combining my first letter of my name with your name. to make You're so selfish. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> our first joint venture is going to be 70-30 in my favor <laughs> don't worry we can make an agreement for sale because you know how to do that Dwayne Investments Dwayne Investments oh man okay now we're rolling that's a, that's yeah. officially a great place to start <laughs> Are we? and I will get your name right okay so it's Wayne Hillier yes oh no it's Hillier Hillier oh Hillier. man um, I'm not French French on my mom's side mm. uh, Je but, suis désolé uh, yeah. <laughs> Great man. Wayne Hillier on yeah. the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. See, this is what happens when you take a break. I, I haven't done one of these in like two months. And so you're mm. breaking the silence. You are the silence breaker for our podcast. I can't, I can't think of a better guy. Wow. Yeah. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I think it does, it does stem from the fact that uh, I got to come on your show last week. 
Thank you for that. You were freaking amazing. Thank you. You did really well. How is it doing? I'm just curious if, if it's doing uh, anything. Well, I, I, I released it on Facebook first and then it'll, it'll go out on, um, on all different other, you know, the iTunes and Spotify and stuff in a couple of weeks. Uh, but so far so good. Every, I've had a lot of great feedback. You're really good at it. And you shocked me when you told me that I was your, like one of your first ones. Literally. Yeah. First, first Facebook live one too. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah good that's, experience. that's, that's tough when you've got people looking at you. <laughs> I don't know. I've got a good face for podcasting, I guess, as Gary would say. Um, <laughs> but when you add the video, that's a different ball game. So, but yeah, man, thank you for having me on. Um, and thank, thank you, you for, for having me on. Yes. Yes. Thank you for being here, man. So set the bar really high. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to exceed it. I, I have faith. Um, but for the people who don't know about you and perhaps didn't see our podcast where you got to host me and I had to answer all the questions. Uh, who are you, Wayne? What do you do? What's, what's your passion in the real estate investing world as it were? Oh man, you know, they say you should have a 30 second elevator pitch, but I just never really, I tried and it just didn't, it wasn't very good. And I tried saying it a couple times and it's just really awkward and weird. You sound like a robot, like you're, like you're making a pitch. Uh, my name is Wayne Hillier. I live in Edmonton, Alberta. I invest in Edmonton, Alberta. I've been investing since 2013 uh, with my wife, uh, Gabrielle, and my five-year-old daughter, Everly. It's a family business, Prairie Home Investments. Uh, plus, uh, earlier this year, we started another division of our business called Murder Baha Homes, which we offer Islamic financing for uh, Muslims uh, to honor the um, Islamic faith. Uh, what else? Oh, I'm a host. I'm a host of the Real Estate Investor Dad podcast, uh, which is the podcast that we are referencing that you were on. What do I, what do I, what do I do? I, I'm trying to be humble, but I, I'm a specialist in creative uh, real estate investing, seller financing strategies. Cool, man. Yeah, you're right. I don't think the 30 second elevator pitch is enough for you. We need more, Wayne. Uh, like, what, what do you say? <laughs> I, I help Giving you a hard people, time, man. I help people build long-term wealth through the power of real estate. And like I'm, I'm probably stealing someone's line. And they're be like, yeah, that's my line. <laughs> but it's just, I can't do it. I can't do it. People see right through it. They, mm. they, oh, they know I'm full of it. And I do. That's what I do. I, I help a lot of people and I, I, I'd like to help more people. However, uh, I, I try and be as open and honest as possible. And if somebody wants to invest with me, uh, you know, for who I am, then cool. If not, then they're probably not the right. There we go. That that was great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna highlight that because so here's what I've noticed, Wayne. In a lot of the real estate investing circles, and a lot of these places, and you know, especially some of the people that we see coming through our program with revenue, is there's this almost anxiety, or you know, I've got to do it the right way, or this person said this, so I have to do this. You know, like last night we had a, we had our life, we have, we had our call within our program, not to make this about me. This is a show about you, but we were so selfish, man. <laughs> Dwayne investments. Here we go. Uh, this, we, we were doing the Q and a, and, uh, this lady was doing a presentation and, you know, I sent her mine afterwards and, and I was like, there's no one size way to do this. But what, what I see is like, people will say, yeah, you've got to have an elevator pitch. You got to be able to do, you know, explain what you do in one minute. And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't have to, because for a lot of people that's awkward, right? Mm -hmm. Like you love doing long form podcasts. So do I. So yeah. those are our strengths. I, I've never sold anybody on a quick 30 second pitch. I almost feel like I'm coercing them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I almost feel like it's, it's not authentic. Mm -hmm. And early on, I mean, you, you need to set yourself uh, apart and you need to set yourself out. You need to let people know what it is that you do. But in an, I, I got to do it in, in, in an authentic way. I mean, social media was a, was a big thing for me. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want to stuff this down people's throats every time I go and meet them. So what I'll do is I'll take a bunch of videos and pictures and show people what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And if they like it, they can come to me. Mm -hmm. I like that approach way more than trying to coerce someone with some flashy one-liner. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. I, I have never sold someone on a flashy one-liner. No. Perfect, man. Uh, yeah, I, that's, I, I wanted you to highlight that because I, I think that it comes true through everything that I see you do on social media and everything you do on your podcast. 100%. Um, I'm not sure if you said it in your intro there, but when did you start investing in real estate? Uh, 2013. Okay. That was uh, five years, I think, after I moved to Alberta. I'm from uh, St. Catharines, Ontario. Okay. Cool. I'm yeah, the Alberta dream. Yeah, we're uh, we're real estate investing brothers. I I started in 2013 too. Oh really? Yeah, crazy. Nice. Right on. The class of 2013. Class of 2013, man. It's a strong <laughs> class. It's a really strong <laughs> class. Um, so uh, two questions, Wayne. Why'd you move to Why'd you move to Ed, uh, Why did you move to Edmonton, or why'd you move to Alberta, and what made you want to get started in real estate investing? What's the origin? Oh, of here's here's my sad origin story. Oh, cute. Everyone's got an origin music. story, but like mine sucks. It's another thing. Like I have to be authentic. <laughs> it just seems like everyone's got some story where they like, and, and no offense to their stories. <laughs> like some of them, you know, the rags to riches stories. I don't really have one. Um, I, I, I had a moment. I do have, I, I do have a breakthrough moment. I was pumping gas. I was 21 years old. I was pumping gas. I had just left, dropped out of college because that just wasn't for me. And I just had that moment at like one o'clock in the morning and I had a shift that was starting in a couple hours and I'm like, what the hell am I doing with my life? All my friends are all engineers and they're all going off to school. They're graduating soon. Wayne's still working 36 hours a week at a gas station and like with no prospects, no relationships whatsoever. So I, I just decided and I packed up a U-Haul and I moved in a week and a half. I'm like, I'm going over here. Hopefully there's some opportunities there. Packed a U-Haul up with all the furniture I can find from family and thought, okay, I'll live in a tent. (laughs) If I need to, I don't know. I got a couple thousand dollars, like I'll figure it out. It was really dumb. I didn't have a job lined up. I had nothing. I, I mean, I once I got here, I got a job within two days because Alberta is awesome. But <laughs> uh, that that is why I decided to move out here. And it was, I mean, I could have never known what would have happened, but I did make a decision. So, I mean, that, that counts for something. Rather than just sitting around and not making a decision, I made one. I went in a direction. It happened to be west, <clears throat> directly west. And within a couple of weeks, I met my wife. Uh, she was my neighbor. I, I, I locked that down right away. Nice. Uh, and within, you know, within a couple months, you know, we're, we're living together and it was amazing and we haven't looked back. She was building her career. I got my job. I started building my career within a couple of years. Both of us, we, we, we built up our careers and we kind of hit that ceiling of, you know, I got all my certifications. She got her certifications. And, and that's, that's kind of where real estate kind of came into play. Was that your second part of your question? Yeah, that was the second part. So we've we've covered the move there, and mm-hmm. so you said certifications. Just curious, what were you, what were you doing for work once you got that job? Uh, non destructive testing. So it's uh, inspections of metals and welds uh, for defects. Okay, gotcha. Ter- terrific career. Terrific. I mean, um, for the amount of education and experience that you need to get into that field i mean it is it pays really well and it's it's it's, it's a great job a lot high in demand mm-hmm. gotcha okay so you've and, got uh, yeah sorry go ahead I, oh it's okay i was just gonna say my wife my wife she's not here but uh gabby uh she was uh the revenue manager for three hotels uh, okay. hotels so she 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 did really well for herself like starting at the bottom you know working her way up gotcha okay so you guys are both gainfully employed you have if it were high income earning salaries and then real estate comes in as a as a what a means to replace an income to build wealth what's the the rationale behind getting into that especially in edmonton we were talking earlier i don't remember if it was on recording or not but you and i are entrepreneurs and you get it and i'm sure a lot of your listeners get it too entrepreneurs there's there's a certain group of uh, people who who are just built to grow just continuously grow um i believe you have a podcast that uh, <laughs> that references something like that <clears throat> but i i made a decision and i and i moved across the country and i and i found a job and i did everything i could and i i i I worked my way up i got my certifications fast my wife same thing just growing 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 bought a house 
even when I was in high school, I was, I've always been like this. I, you know, I was a lead singer, guitarist in a band and like the rest of my bandmates were all just like, Wayne, it's like, let's just chill and you know, let's play. And I'm me, I'm ordering t-shirts. I'm getting venues. I'm networking with all the right people in town. Nice. Like we're going places. So I've always kind of had that. And once you kind of reach that ceiling, uh, you know, in your job or your career and there's nowhere really left to go. I mean, I looked where what was left and it was like, maybe I can become lead. Maybe I can become a supervisor, manager, upper management, an extra five, 10 bucks for more responsibilities and no fulfillment. And I was, I was smart enough to see that that was not for me. Um, so I took a step back and <clears throat> it was around that time that I met uh, an individual that I was working with and he told me he invests in real estate and, you know, kind of, kind of always heard, the experts always saying that the, the wealthiest people always started in real estate. That's where it's at. So I thought I could definitely, I could definitely do that. I asked him a bunch of questions and he gave me some books and I read those books very fast. I don't read books. Mm. I, I'm, I just, I'm an audiobook I now, but before it was like no books. So I read those books real quick and uh, I convinced my wife to, uh, to hop on as well. And that's where it all started. Mm -hmm. Really cool, man. Really cool. And so do you, you know, a lot of people start off with, you know, just going and buying a property and, and having a rental property. They do that a couple times and then they kind of get tapped out and they have to find some sort of alternative ways to continue to grow their portfolio if they want to. Is that a relatable story for you guys as well? Mm -hmm. Very relatable. You see every new real estate investor and they just think that you're going to buy a house and become a landlord. And there's a lot more to it once you immerse yourself um, into the business, into the community. There's a lot of different ways to acquire properties. There's a lot of different ways to, uh, to, 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 to use investment properties. There's, there's so much more that in you, as you start getting more experience, you start getting exposed to more of those things. Uh, so social media and the internet have just been amazing because now you can find it um, so easily. You know, everyone's got a boot camp, everyone's got a, a webinar masterclass and learn how to do this. So the resources are, are <clears throat> just in a matter of seven years or they're a lot more accessible than they were when I was first starting out. And so, yeah, we bought a place, we moved into it. We did a renovation, bought another place, did a renovation. Just kind of did the house hopping thing where we'd buy a place, live in it, wait a while and then buy another place and rent out the first one. Obviously, when you're getting started out, there's you don't have a whole lot of resources. Uh, thankfully, we had good paying jobs. I had lots of overtime. So I would just, I'd hustle hard at work with overtime, save up 15, 20 grand, buy a place, right? And then, and we did that and just kept pigging, piggybacking or leapfrogging, I guess would be a better uh, way to explain it, just to the next house, to the next house. And then eventually we started attracting joint venture partners. Um, Mm -hmm. one one joint venture partner it was very difficult everyone says go find a joint venture partner yeah it, it's that whole authentic thing I, I i couldn't i couldn't bs him this is this is a buddy of mine from from hockey like <laughs> like i'm not gonna mm -hmm. bs him <laughs> like i had to be real and it, it took a while and then you know we bought a property and then i started learning how to to buy houses uh for little to no money down using agreement for sales and that that changed everything now that I can go and get someone to carry a mortgage and to get into a property for less than $5,000, that just, that exploded things for us. That's uh, a bit of a game changer. Huge, huge. Mm -hmm. Had I never learned that, I'd still probably be around four or five properties trying to beg people to, to invest with me. Right. I just want to ask one, a, a clarifying question first, and then I'm going to come back to it. So what, what's your portfolio at now, given the ability to use the creative seller financing strategies that, you know, you're, I guess you could say you're kind of known for. <laughs> uh, we are exactly where we want to be. We're at 21 doors. I, and, and they're not all rental properties. Some of them are RTO. Some of them I've, I've sold with creative strategies. So there, it's, it's very hard to kind of explain um, some of them are, you know, have secondary suites. So we, I kind of took a step back because I, I started looking at what I could, what I could realistically continue to do. And if I took on any more properties, if I do, uh, it's going to start affecting my, my family and my relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, early on it's, it's, you can, 
early on you can you can kind of tough it out you can hustle up until maybe five six seven properties and if you're property managing them too it, it starts to get a little overwhelming and the way that i look at it there's almost like um i see i almost see it like a like a success curve like you you have this you start like gaining all the success and then over time like your 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 time and, and your priorities start getting affected in your relationships until eventually you you reach a point of success where now you've got enough cash flow and but at the same time you're also completely overwhelmed so once we kind of reach that that tipping points we started using our cash flow and investing it back into ourselves so freeing up time for you know property management start paying for that we hired a couple employees to help us with our other part, uh, part of our business. We started paying lawn maintenance and cleaners and stuff like that. So we, we kind of, we're, we're right around that point right now where I don't want to take any more on and take any more responsibilities on and be obligated to it because I'm, what I'm focusing on right now is, is my relationship with my daughter and relationship with my wife. Nothing's wrong with them, but I'm, I can see far enough in the future to know that uh, if I continue on the path that I was on before, just like rapid, rapid growth, um, something was going to give and it was going to be my business or my family. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful real realization. Um, mm-hmm. Very relatable as well. I've had that exact thing in the past few months here and not actually, no, not past few months. I'd say probably more 2020 um, and leading into 2020, just knowing that that I wanted to make some changes in my own life. And it was really the question of, Um, what, I guess flipping the script from what am I going to do to build my real estate portfolio to what is my real estate portfolio doing for me Mm -hmm. from a lifestyle standpoint? Cause you're right. I mean, you know, it takes time, it takes energy to, to build it up. Um, and the more you take on, yeah, I would say I, I would agree around that kind of five, six, seven property range, um, regardless of number of doors, is kind of where that tipping point exists between, okay, the, every additional one that you take on from here yet, you know, it's an incremental gain on, and say your overall cash flow and the amount of wealth you're going to build over time. But the increases in strains on your time, um, the things that you're available to do, uh, the commitments, the obligations, the surprises that are going to come up, like, you, you know, the more properties you own, the more likely you're going to get a text from a tenant that says, hey, um, the washer just went or uh, yeah. my microwave blew up. Like, you know, what are the what are the chances they're going up? They're not going down. So that's a good point. Yeah, you're, you're more exposed. <laughs> you're totally. more exposed to those. They don't come every day. But when they do, when you got a busy day and you get two of those emails mm-hmm. like that, that'll again, I, don't, I can't remember if we were talking about this off air or, or on air, but. I just got an email right before we went on this podcast and I'm like, Oh, I did not need to see that notification. <laughs> like, it's going to ruin this. Cause like even just as simple as a notification for an email that I've been expecting, it's, it consumes half my brain and, and that energy that I'm putting towards that, it means that there's energy not being towards my family. Like when I'm done this podcast recording, you know, am I going to be all here? um, for, for my daughter, my daughter's been anxiously waiting all morning for me. And I'm like, sorry, dad's got to hop in this podcast. And you chose me, like, Wayne, oh. you chose me. Yeah. Well, oh, <laughs> uh, if we were doing video, I want to compliment a- you, but I also don't want to sound like a horrible father yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rocking a hard place. <laughs> oh man. He is, I, he is the real estate investor dad after all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my podcast is all about. It's just like, yeah. Um, you know, everyone talks about money and mortgages. No one ever talks about that time, that balance. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's really hard. So, you know, I get some people that, that you know, look at me and, and they'll, some will say it to my face, you know, like, oh, only 21 doors. I'm like, well, yeah, it's exactly, I'm exactly where I want to be. Trust me, this is a conscious decision because what's another three or four doors or properties? Like, seriously, is it going to, is it going to change my life? Is it going to be like a dramatic shift in my life? No, it's just going to be a little more, Mm. a little more towards, you know, my goals, a little more in the nest egg 20 years from now, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm not going to get this time back with my kid. Right. Yeah. I, and I'm I'm just razzing you, man. I, 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 you know, you know, I, I appreciate being here. <laughs> <laughs> I figured there was a point to be made, and and I and to be honest, on my podcast, I don't really get 
much of an opportunity to speak for myself. Uh, normally it's questions and, and, you know, keeping the flow of the conversation going, but I don't really ever get to, to speak for myself and say why I started the podcast and why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm everything that I do is, is carefully planned and it's all conscious because, um, at the end of the day, I mean, your family and, and what you love is most important. And real estate is just a freaking vehicle. That's all it is to have maybe a little better in the future, a little better life. Yeah, that's such a great point. I I stress this in, <clears throat> pardon me, we, uh, we're both dealing with uh, the clear throat syndrome today. Yeah, I keep muting my mic I know, to clear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you take a break from podcasting for a couple months like I did. Um, but yeah, I, I just love that because one of the things that we, you know, we talk about, or at least our, uh, our motto, right? It's you, know, you want people to understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest conversations around that is just, yeah, what are you doing real estate investing for? And it's so easy to go to a conference or go to an event and get just jazzed up because you meet somebody who has a thousand doors and, you know, owns half the Gulf Coast of Florida or whatever, you know, like, or or they're buying tons of property in small town Saskatchewan where uh, properties cost 60 grand and you can cash flow like crazy. Yeah. And you just get so like, whoa, this is amazing. I could do this without asking yourself, like, is this really what's right for me? And is this actually what I want to do? Because, you know, I've, I've met some of those people. Some of them are completely congruent, right? They've, they've got it together. They love what they're doing and that's why they continue to grow. And other ones, as much as they're successful and they have those big numbers, they are like completely tied to it and are off balance and really not the kind of person that if you're wanting to use real estate to do something in your life, they're not necessarily the person to be modeling. They'd be better off modeling somebody like yourself who's intentionally said, yeah, I want this number of properties because it's giving me this. And it's not a real estate related goal per se. It's just, what does the real estate related thing allow me to do in my life? It's a big distinction. Now, Gosh, the <laughs> I will say that the initial hustle is is hundred um, percent necessary. Yes, you, you have to, you have to hustle in the beginning, unless you've got a million in the bank and you could make um, decisions based off of the, the the capital that you have. And, and most people don't. You do have to hustle in the beginning in order to build something up and to, to at least start pedaling up that that success curve until until eventually you can get to the point where you can start making better decisions and i had that conversation with my wife early on i told her i'm sorry the first five years they're not going to be fun it's not going to be great but i don't look at this like a sacrifice i look at this like and i'm stealing this line from someone and i and i hope that one day they listen to this because it meant a lot to me it's not it's not sacrifice it's dedication and that's just, it's, it's, mm-hmm. if, if you listen to that carefully, it's, it'll, it'll really help you. If you're constantly thinking of all the things that you're sacrificing, it's, it's a little negative. But if you think about the, the dedication to what it is that you really want in life and why you're doing it, um, it, it helps, it helps to those first five years. And I think the first five years are probably the most difficult. Mm-hmm. If you go really hard for five years, you should be able to set yourself up where you can start making better decisions for the next five. So true. And yeah, I think that's that's highlighted a by by your story and some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit as we're we're leading into it. But it's a such a relatable story with so many different people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the episode that we did on your show, it's like a it's a five year thing for me too. I yeah. I mean, it started yeah 20, 2013, so we're up on seven years now. Um, but I left a job that I didn't like in August of twenty nineteen, which is a year ago, so a little over. F- five years, but it took probably, yeah, the 2017 to 2019 of like intense, intentional activity to really grow things Mm -hmm. to get it to a point where, you know, the original investment decisions I made back in 2013, 2014, 2015 were able to take it to the next level or just provide that opportunity to, like you said, 
make some better decisions later on to set yourself up for doing bigger and better things. Right. And I mean, that first five years, you should be able to build up a little bit of a kitty, a little bit of capital you can use because early on, you're just you're sharing time, right? Mm -hmm. That's all you have time and 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 any expertise or skill set that you've developed. After about five years, you should be able to free up a little bit of capital. So now you can start using money. And it's at that point that I decided, you know, I, I invested some, but I decided I'm going to use that capital instead to invest in myself. Because if I can free up some more time for myself, to focus on the things that I've been neglecting or the, the things that I, how do, you, how do I word it? <laughs> I just talk about sacrifice, but that I sacrificed in the first five years, then I can start putting some more attention to that. And that was family. That was my relationship with my wife. That was my health. My God, my health. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so like one of the first things that we did and, and, and we, we got some coaching uh, uh, last year and it was fantastic. It was great for me. It was great for my wife. My wife really needed it, Gabby, um, because she, she doesn't, um, I can say this cause I say it all the time. I'm not speaking poorly of her, but she doesn't get the same level of fulfillment that I do on a day to day. You know what I mean? When you, when you have that great meeting, when you have that great call, when you, when you close that deal, mm -hmm. uh, she's a lot of back end, So she doesn't really get any of that fulfillment. And I just get to tell her about it and she gets to experience it through me. So she needed to find something to, to keep her going. And, you know, she connected really well with her coach and her coach just started talking about maybe it's time that you start, you know, treating yourself. So it, it was as simple as like, she decided I want a nicer clothes. I'm like, okay, let's invest it. it. It sounds like a bad investment, but like it, it meant so much to her. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, first let's, so she hired a stylist. She had a stylist to help her, you know, build up her wardrobe. She went out with the stylist and like pick up clothes because that's, that's really hard for, for men and women, like, like trying to find clothes that you feel comfortable. And so she mm -hmm. wanted to like, and, and, and then as well, you know, we started talking about our health and like, man, like my wife, so she's always worked out, but I said, like, what if we hired a trainer? Of course, it doesn't fit in our budget. So I said, let's invest some money into ourselves. Let's invest a year. And she started, she started first and she started going three times a week. And I look, we, we try not to look at the cost of it because it's expensive, but you know, she feels great now. And then I was, I, I waited a bit. I was, I was a little more stubborn, but I started going to the gym as well. And I hired a trainer and I, I said, if I'm doing this, I'm going all in. So I went five days, five days a week, Monday to Friday. And it's not showing yet because my, my, my diet's still <laughs> crap, but, um, I feel great. <clears throat> I feel amazing. Like I, it's been, I think it's been six weeks now, six weeks, eight weeks. Oh my God. I'm going every day. I feel amazing. I feel stronger. I feel, um, I have more clarity and yeah, I, what I was referring to when I talked about investing in myself was like, I invested in a lawn maintenance person to come a couple times a week. I invested in a cleaner to come every other week. I invested in a trainer, like all these things that were taking out my time, but also <clears throat> that were also, you know, that I was neglecting my health. My God, like if I kept up the way that I've been doing, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't have made it to 60. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really want to enjoy, I really want to enjoy this wealth. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. It, and then you talked about your job and I was, I, I, I wasn't sure before I went on the podcast, I kept going back and forth about whether to talk about this or not, but, um, you and I talked about it off air and I've only told a couple people and, uh, just recently, right after I started working out, I started feeling much better. And I, I started getting a taste of, uh, what life could be like, <laughs> mm. um, you know, if I didn't have to work and, you know, making all these conscious decisions to invest in myself, I, I I've been, I've been torn for the last couple of years. I've been like stuck in, like, I've been living two lives. Like I have this employee life and then I have this entrepreneur life. And I, I don't recommend this to anyone. And we talked about this on my podcast. I don't recommend people go and leave their job. I think it's a horrible decision. I think you always need to make sure that there's food on the table and there's a roof over your head. That's your responsibility, whether you're, you know, you're, uh, the husband or the wife, like it doesn't matter. You should always make sure your family's taken care of. Uh, but I had an account that, you know, had investment money in there. I'm like, I, I could, I could invest in my salary for a year. And the reason why I did it was back to what I was saying about that employee, those two lives. Like I would go to work and then, 
I come home and I'm trying to get this energy up to go and, and be an entrepreneur, but my kid's over there and like, I'm getting fatter and like, I'm just like, I can't do all of this. There's way too much. And like, mm-hmm. something's going to give. And it was, it was my health and my relationship with my daughter. Cause I come home at four and then I'd be like, Hey kid, how's it going? Let's spend an hour together. We got the schedule of, you know, four to seven is dad time and dad or daughter time. But then I'd cut it in half because I got some meeting I need to go to. So I just made the decision like one night about a month ago. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to invest in a year. And I, and I, so I, I invested uh, our investment capital into myself uh, to pay for my salary for a year so that I don't have to worry about paying the bills. Mm -hmm. So now I can go hundred percent all in. And like, it has been the best effing month I've ever had in my life. Nice dude. I, like I'm, I'm, I'm stronger. I'm, I'm healthier. I, I, I'm, I, I try, I, I try and spend, you know, more time with my kid, but like I'm spending way more than I did before and I'm growing my business and it's going amazing. I have enough faith in my business that I know that I'm going to make my salary back, but I would have never made my salary if I were working a job. So I needed to make a decision. I, I can either go all in on this business and give it a chance for a year or, or I can continue trying to passively do it. It would have never worked. Mm-hmm. Man, so many jumping off points there. I know. Sorry. I, and I know what it's like. I know what it's like. I'm, I know you can relate. Try and find a good struggle. segue, but the guy just keeps talking. No, no. I, I was really enjoying just listening to that. I was like, man, there are so many good points here. Very, and, I, and I know that's what you did too. And yeah. that's, that's, that's where I think aside from our 2013 uh, graduating class connection, you know, you made the same decision. You decided to invest in yourself. And I love that. And when you told me that, I'm like, Totally. He gets it. Yeah. He gets it. Yeah. Let's um let's let's shine a bit of light on this. Why did you what what prompted you to say I need to have the salary for one year as opposed to because I did the yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, mm-hmm. how much money do I need to live for twelve months and just not have to worry about any of the bills that could come through so that I could focus on building whatever I wanted to build, whether it was continuing to build my real estate portfolio or, you know, waiting for an opportunity to come along and really be able to like fully go after it, which is what I found and what I'm doing. Um, As opposed to what there is a mentality around is I have to have everything set up to be able to, quote for our listeners, retire for the rest of my life. And that wrote that, that mental block of like, I've got to have my retirement set up like fully till the end of time before I can leave my job, have all that passive income coming through so that I'm just good. Like, why did you decide on the year as opposed to this lifetime of retirement savings and cash flow? I'm really glad that you asked that because there was something I wanted to cover, but I just didn't want to keep rambling. <laughs> uh, my, my daughter's five. And had I gone that route, I would have not, I would have never gotten healthier. Um, and, and again, like <laughs> I still got a long way to go, but my daughter's only going to be five for another eight months. That's it. And then she's going to be six and then she's going to be seven and like the relationship that I have with her, she's so freaking smart. She loves math and I love math. It's so cool. Um, I knew that if I waited, then I would miss out on a lot of opportunities if I continued to stay dedicated like that. And I could have, I could have been the dad that, you know, goes on one vacation every year. It just, it wasn't for me. I, I also knew that this money that I had, I could go buy a property with. Right. I can go buy a property that cash flows a couple hundred dollars a month and it would have been okay. And then I looked at what if I took that money and invested in myself and what could I gain from that? So what 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 are the outcomes that could possibly happen from that? Best case scenario, I build a business that is that 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 runs itself and it's gonna make me extremely wealthy in the future. And you know, medium uh Next best would be, you know, that it pays for my salary. Maybe I make a hundred thousand, right? That would be next best. 
and then I could buy myself another year, right? Mm-hmm. And I can go for a second year, right? And yep. then worst case scenario, I put all of my energy into my business and I build something that is okay. And maybe, maybe it doesn't pan out. But for that year, I got to spend more time with my kid. I got to do whatever I wanted every day. I got to increase my health. I got to better my relationship with my wife and my daughter. And then worst case, I got to, I still have tickets. I can go get a job. Like I can just go back to my job. Worst case, I got to go back to my job. Like if, if that's the worst thing that could happen with that investment, that's much better than like some flip going, going wrong. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine putting that money into a flip and losing it? Like a, a flip project and losing it and being like, oh crap, it's all gone. And I wasted all this time as opposed to investing in myself. And I have all of these dividends and all of these residuals from it. Right. So that's the way I looked at it. I'm like, man, like worst case scenario, this is going to be the best year of my life. And it's only been one month. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I get to do whatever I want every day. I wake up, I'm waking up earlier for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's just that. <laughs> it was, the, it was that two life thing where like as an employee, I hated getting up early, but now when I'm an entrepreneur, I'm getting up at five 30 every morning to get stuff all situated. So I can go to the gym and, now I'm living an entrepreneur life. I, I just feel so much better, more energized. Hmm. I, 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 I have no regrets whatsoever. And like, it could go horribly wrong, but like, I have no regrets to this. And, and I think you mentioned it too on my podcast was that entrepreneurs do this all the time. You know, they start business, they fail, they start business, they fail, they start business, they fail. Like if, if I fail and I have to go back to work and then in five years I get to try this again, that's totally fine too. Right. Mm-hmm. it's so it, it was a no brainer for me. I went through and I went through it very quickly on like a Thursday night over a 20 minute conversation with my wife. And I put all the pieces, you know, the, the dots together. And I'm like, this is, this is the, how could I not do this? Mm-hmm. Really cool. And I didn't meet yeah. you. I didn't meet you or know you before you started doing this. So I, I don't have a reference point. I have my <laughs> reference point is last Friday. So a week ago, <laughs> and you seem like the same energetic guy. So I, I don't know. I'd have to talk to maybe some people who, who had known you from before and just be able to say like, yeah, is there, is there a significant difference in the way Wayne shows up now compared to what he was like in, in this period where you were talking about, you know, living two separate lives? Cause man, I, I know what that feels like. That's hard. That's a hard place mm-hmm. to be in. My hockey buddies would be the only reference. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they probably say the same thing. Like, Wayne was a huge pain in the ass because even playing ball hockey, like, I, I was, like, I went w- way too far into it. And they were just like, can we just please just play some effing hockey and go for beers afterwards? Mm. Wayne's setting up plays. Wayne's trying to bring in the best guys, build this amazing team, this dynasty. <laughs> I have this whole thing where we're all going to be 40 and we've got all these titles behind us and, and trophies. And But they're just like, dude, like, I just want to come out. I like, I want to have a couple beers before the game. I want to play drunk and I want to have some more beers and wings afterwards. And nice. so, <laughs> uh, so it, it didn't go over very well. Uh, but yeah, the, they'll tell you the same thing that, you know, I've always been like this. I've always had that kind of mindset, that growth mindset, um, even in hockey, even as a, a, a singer in a band, just half-assing is just not good enough for me. Like I have to, I have to grow. I have to continuous, not to be the best, but I just have to continuously grow. I have to be better because I know that I can. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome, man. You know, I was thinking leading into this where we were going to take this conversation. And I just trusted the fact that because you're also a podcast host that you'd flow with things and I love it. So this is going great. And I know that this is a, is supposed to be a real estate investing focused podcast. I was going to say. Podcast. Gonna say like, you know, we're supposed to talk about the tactical things. And if there was one thing on here that's like the tactical thing that you're probably super good at talking about, it would be that seller financing, the agreements for sale. Correct? Yeah. But yeah, you watch, I get more energetic when I start talking about real estate. Yeah. yeah, And I don't know if you will get more energetic when you talk about real estate, because we've been talking about some good stuff here. Is that what you just said though? You'd be surprised. Yeah. (laughs) So, but here we've, we've got two, we got two things we can do because I want to be respectful of your time here. No, let's make this, let's make this the longest podcast (laughs) ever. Dude, have you heard some Tim Ferriss podcasts just to take a side? Yeah. Yeah. They're like three hours long. 
He'll have yeah. like Peter Atia on. They'll just be randomly talking about stuff. I'm like, okay, this is good, but it's good for my drive from Regina to Calgary, and I don't do that anymore. So we could turn it into like a Peter Jackson like trilogy. We could, yeah. <laughs> Part one, um, yeah. There, there's two things here. One is one would be the seller financing stuff, mm-hmm. but th- just. Give me a straight answer here, though. Have you talked about that a lot in some other places, like, say, on your Facebook page or in other podcasts? Like, um, Yes and no. Yes and no. I, I mean, everyone knows that that's my expertise and that's where I put all my energy. You asked for a simple answer, so uh, <laughs> no. Okay. Because there's that. And then there's what's really cool and is actually super exciting to me. And I want to have time to dive into that. And that's mm. this new thing you're working with. And for, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've already mispronounced your name like six times. So I feel like I'm going to get this wrong, wrong too. But Murabah Homes. Yes. Okay. This. That's why I left my job. This on top of- is freaking cool, Wayne. So <clears throat> Tell me about this. Tell, tell the listeners about this because I think this is out of control. Just awesome. Do you, do you allow swearing on your podcast? Uh, yeah, this is my yeah. podcast. I, do what I you told want. Honey, uh, sorry, I told honey. I, t- <laughs> I did not mean to say that. <laughs> I told my wife <laughs> uh, that, like, she. <laughs> when we talk about how I'm going to explain, it, I'm like, the only way to explain it is, is it's it's fucking dope. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't use the term dope loosely. <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, it's yeah. it's it's the coolest thing ever. And if someone else created it, created it, I would say the exact same thing. Um, but I did, so it sounds really weird. But <laughs> Murabah Homes is um, that was stemmed from the education and and the skills that I developed using uh, the creative seller financing strategies. Uh, someone came up to me and asked me, "Would you ever look into Islamic financing?" And I'm like, what the heck is Islamic financing? And I kind of heard about it a little bit, but, and there've been discussions over the years, but uh, what was explained to me was that um, Muslims, as per the Islamic faith, are forbidden from paying interest. Let's just keep it simple, uh, riba. And so that prevents a large community in Canada and North America from getting mortgages, uh, loans, uh, vehicle loans, credit cards, that kind of stuff. Anything that has an interest component. Mm-hmm. And that made me extremely effing <laughs> sad. <laughs> like, like, like how has no one else figured this out? Why aren't the lenders offering some sort of, cause I looked into it. I'm like, there's different ways that you can structure financing. You mm-hmm. don't have to have a semi compounded interest calculation. There's other ways of doing it. And I reached out to some, you know, really smart people in the real estate investing community. And they all kind of said, well, people talk about it, but no one's really been able to figure it out. So, you know, that wasn't good enough for me. Mm-hmm. So I decided to figure it out. And I, and I did within, it took me some time. It, it took a lot of number crunching. I needed to build a business model that was sustainable that, you know, if I'm going to take on that extra risk, I need to make sure that the reward is has a healthy balance so what we did was we developed a unique seller financing strategy that now honors the islamic faith um the business is called mirabah homes we help muslim families get into home ownership mm-hmm. amazing really cool and so mm-hmm. just for my interest and i think maybe a lot of people would be asking this question does this mean that you know, people, um, Muslims would otherwise be having to pay cash for everything. Yeah. So these That's... massive purchases, a car, you know, uh, education's a pretty big one, of course. Um, you know, a home, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like... You'd have to come up with uh, ginormous cash payments. So these people would be renting for, for ages, correct? What, what most people consider to be, quote unquote, birthrights, though they're not, but it's everyone's dream to buy a home and to have a vehicle. Isn't mm-hmm. that the, like the, the American dream, America. right? It, yeah. <laughs> North American dream. Yeah. Isn't that what everyone wants? And can you imagine not being able to have access to that? Mm. It's fucking sad. Mm. I couldn't believe it. And you know how large the Muslim community is. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 I'll admit, um, it, it wasn't ignorance, but it was just I did I I'm not exposed to that community. Yeah, um, me neither. You know, and and I, I talked to a lot of other investors, and 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 most people don't know, um, which has been really great. You know, getting to connect with more of the community now and to learn more, learn more about the faith. It's actually a pretty amazing faith. I'm not I'm not a faithful person, but like, you know, the fundamentals of it are actually amazing uh, like the journey that i've been on over the last year and a half has just been amazing because um i do admit I, I was semi-ignorant before in the fact that i i never even considered looking into it i never really considered having conversations and so i've, I've learned a ton i feel great about it and i feel i feel extremely grateful that i did because uh you know what we're building now is is is, is creating a huge impact mm-hmm. so what would the like if you could paint a picture, what what does the future of this look like? Is it, you know, people with within the Islamic community are now going to be able to reach out through Murabaha and access this financing that would otherwise be, like you said, I think it was, um, correct me if I'm doing this wrong, uh, Sharia compliant? Sharia compliant. Yeah. Sharia compliant? Uh, Sharia law. Yep. Okay. It's, um, we're one of the few companies in Canada. There are a couple others and, and, I, and I won't hop on a podcast and speak poorly, but yep. you know, there's, there's been mixed reviews and opinions and there's different ways to do it too. And other okay. companies have different financing structures. Ours is very unique. No one else has, has come up with ours. Um, so the feedback that I'm getting uh, from the people that I'm connected to are saying that this is, you know, the, the best way to do it. It's simple. And uh, you mentioned this earlier and then I kind of, I tripped over it or I, I jumped over it, but um the alternative to this is buying all cash. Mm-hmm. And so I can't speak for everyone, but the majority of people that I talk to are are just saving, saving for their whole lives for decades, three, four decades until they can finally buy a house all cash. And it's a very strong community to help each other, you know, you know, buy homes and stuff like that. And there's community funds and there's, there's all different ways that they creatively do it. But Um, so the people that are reaching out to us are actually kind of halfway on their journey where maybe they're 10 or 20 years into savings, a savings. So they have very large, large savings accounts and they can put down large down payments, which really helps offset our risk as a business, because we do eliminate a lot of what protects us, what protects, you know, mortgage lenders, Mm -hmm. those, those things like semi-compounded interest and late fees and all those other things that protect and deter people from, from taking advantage of it. Uh, we remove a lot of that, so we need to make sure that we're we're replacing it with with risk mitigators. So the buyers that we have have huge down payments, anywhere from sixty to two hundred thousand dollars. I just had someone recently contact me a week or two ago with five hundred thousand dollars down payment. It's it's crazy. So uh, that's that's essentially you know how we're structuring it. Is that, you know it's it's a large down payment. It's a minimum minimum twenty percent down payment. Um, we, we offer this on homes that we have available. So between, uh, my properties and the properties of my partners, uh, in other investors who wanted to get involved with Merba homes, uh, we have a large catalog of homes. And, and what we do now is we just, you know, we match our, our buyers with, with the properties that we have available. And we do that through, like I said, a very unique seller financing uh, mm-hmm. structure. Very cool. Very cool. Wow. I, yeah. When, when you had brought this up, you know, a week ago, I was just floored. I was like, this is so cool. (laughs) Um, just it's, it's amazing, um, utilization of, of a, that an education on the subject and then being able to connect it with a community and with people who need it and create something that's very impactful. Um, it's going to open so many doors for so many people to get into homes much sooner than they otherwise would and mm-hmm. stay within the guidelines of their faith. Like what a beautiful thing. How, how do you not quit your job to go all in on this? Right? Yeah. You convinced me. <laughs> Absolute no brainer. Like, uh, man, if I live the rest of my life as an employee, I would just be regretting it for the rest of my life. Wondering, could I have? Mm. Right. How do you not go all in on this? I'm, I, I, I need like I'm, I'm speaking. Uh, I need to be a little more humble, but like, <laughs> but seriously, it, and everyone's got their own thing, right? You, you've got that 
you know, thing that you think, oh man, I wish I would have started that business or I wish I would have done that. And you're 40, 50, 60, 70. Now you're in a retirement home thinking, oh, I should have done that. Mm. You know, we're young. It Like, don't be stupid, right? Don't be careless. Like, set yourself up right. But man, take some chances. You only live once. I love it. I, yeah. Love it, man. I um, couldn't agree more. Uh, it was about about a year and a half ago that I was working on a project with a couple couple people, um, and it was around using um, your phone or a tablet within a restaurant to order food and pay for your order. This was a year ago, mm-hmm. right? Fast forward to March, April, May of this year. And in Vancouver, at least, most restaurants have a little QR code on a table that you can scan mm-hmm. and order your food from there. And you can scan again to see your bill and pay for it. And at the time, I was still employed. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, this is a year ago? Yeah, this is a year ago. At the time, I was still employed and um, said, hey, if we're going to go after this, like I have to, you know, I'm going to have to quit this. I'm going to have to put the real estate aside. Like I'm, I'm really not set up to do this or I'm going to have to go all in like now or we got to shut it down because, because this is going to be a lot. And, um, I guess maybe we just didn't want to take the risk or we didn't believe in it enough. And it's just so funny to see it though. Cause here we are a year later and I'm like, man, (laughs) we, we saw this, it was coming. (laughs) We just didn't do it. I don't know if I'm going to regret that, but it's kind of cool to see it and be like, Okay, we were on the right track. The next time we have an idea or something, <laughs> we got to go all in if we can afford to. I have a feeling that you're going to have a few more of those throughout your life. <laughs> I've, I've got, I've, so. yeah, I could fill a podcast with all the amazing ideas I've had that I missed out mm. on that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, crazy. But there's there's a point there, I suppose, and that's to to not to not miss those opportunities when they come by. Take a chance. You have to. Otherwise, isn't it Tony Robbins that talks about the Niagara Syndrome? Ever, heard, ever read that? no uh what book was it in uh it was one of his books but he he has this um this thing he calls the niagara syndrome and basically you know most people will you know hop into the niagara river and this is an ontario reference mm. uh <laughs> you hop into the niagara river and just they just float along and things go by all the time trees and you know whatever on the side of the banks and they just keep floating and floating until they eventually get to niagara falls and they're like oh shit and they start paddling mm-hmm. and now they like, cause they get to that moment where like, Oh shit, like uh, I have to do something. And then they kind of get out of it. And then they, they kind of hit that, that failure. Mm-hmm. And that really spoke to me because what he basically said was that it's, it's better to be paddling before that, right? You should be always paddling in the opposite direction. Otherwise, eventually you, you will hit Niagara Falls, right? Mm-hmm. And you just, you just watch people floating. You just watch people floating along and not taking advantage of, you know, a branch here or, you know, an opportunity on the banks there. Mm-hmm. And if we could tie this nicely back to real estate, I would. Yeah. What's real estate? I, I would. I, argue, do, I do real estate, by the way. I still do it. <laughs> I, I would. I just. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, this is, this is all probably just some like big, like selfish plug because I got like some cabin retreat in November that like basically. <laughs> all of this relates to is that like, uh, I, I've had so many people reaching out to me asking, would you mentor me? Would you coach me? And like every single time I'm like, no, mm. I hate coaching. I like a, most people aren't coachable <laughs> and B, I don't think it works. Like I don't like the traditional coaching model. I don't like the people charge like 15, $20,000 for coaching for like one call per month. Mm-hmm. Like, like do the math on what you're paying per hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. And you know, if it, if it were valuable, then I think it would be amazing, but I, I don't, I don't believe it is. And what I, what I feel is that um, the reason why it doesn't work and the reason why students don't take action is because not enough is spent. Not enough time is spent on actually getting to know the person and what exactly it is that they want in life. If you just have a one hour conversation just saying, you know, I'd like to talk about rent to own today. Like, and they say, okay, go, or like, I, I really want to get a GB partner. Okay, we'll go call a hundred people 
hundred of your closest friends and ask them for money. If you don't have a strong enough why attached to that and the coach doesn't know what your why is, you're never going to do it, hmm. right? You got to get really down to your core of why it is that you're investing in real estate, what it is that you want in a life. So this is my long winded pitch, which, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what I decided to do because so many people were asking us, I talked to my wife, but I'm like, I, I'm not doing coaching. Like, I don't care if someone wants to send me thousands of dollars. Like I don't feel good enough about it. So I said, like, if I'm going to do this, I want to do like a retreat. Like I want to have, like, I want to be with like one person or a small group of people just like fully immersed for a full week. And I can get to know them exactly what it is down to the core why do you want to invest in real estate? Because real estate is just a vehicle. Like there's got to be something more to it. What do you want? You want to live on a, you want to live on an island? You want to own an island, have a yacht? Okay, well, how much does an island and a yacht cost? Let's figure this out. Let's reverse engineer this. So that's what the weekend is all about. It's not about coaching or teaching you about multifamily. It's about actually figuring out what it is you want and then what does that cost and how, how long do you get there? And then you use vehicle as, uh, sorry, you use real estate as the vehicle to get there. So what we did is we, we, we built it as a cabin retreat for three days. It's uh, November 20th through 22nd in Alberta Beach. So we got a cabin, food, accommodations, everything, drinks are all included. Small group of five people. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the weekend together and build a small little community of people that support each other. We're going to build a roadmap. And at the end of the weekend, we're going to have that roadmap so you can take it on Monday and like instantly take action, instantly get on that and and take action on that Monday. And then there's six months of mentorship afterwards. That's the only way I would do something, not coaching, mentorship, six months of biweekly calls. So I'm going to call those students up and say, Hey, what are you doing? You doing it? Did you do it? Why didn't it, or didn't work? Okay. If it doesn't work, then why isn't it working? Okay. Let's, let's change the roadmap. Let's pivot, go back out for two more weeks and get it done. And I hope that people respect that I will go really hard on them because you know, I think that's why that they came, right? A lot of people take those courses and and they end the course and then they never do anything with it because they don't have support. They don't have accountability. They don't have someone pushing them. So that's what we built. Um, you know, if anyone's interested in that, they can, you know, reach out. Uh, there's only five spots and three of them are already filled. I just released it the other day and I have, I've done like barely any marketing on it. Mm-hmm. Barely any advertising and three spots already filled. So nice. if anyone's interested, uh, you know, you can reach out about that. Cool. And how do uh, people get in touch with you when, if they want to do that, if they want to listen to the podcast, if they want to find out more about Murabaha, where, where do we find yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fuck, I got so much going on right now. Uh, Murabaha <laughs> Homes. I mean, I, I mean, if you guys want to learn more about Murabaha Homes and how to get involved in that, uh, best way, oh, there's so many different emails. You know what? The easiest email is uh, prairiehomeinvestments at gmail.com. That's a really hard email though, because most people spell prairie wrong. And I, I don't get, I don't get half the emails that were intended because people <laughs> don't know how to spell prairie, uh, but it's prairie. Google it, how to spell prairie home investments at gmail.com. That's the best way. Um, and uh, the podcast is the real estate investor dad podcast, uh, iTunes, Spotify, it's, it's fully syndicated. So it's on all the different platforms, YouTube. Um, and yeah. Awesome, man. That's great. I wanted to, tie it all back to real estate with the opportunity for Murabaha. And that was just that, yeah, you know, you have the opportunity to build that. And when, it, when we were talking about this other thing that, you know, I was doing the previous year, the opportunity to be able to do that and to say, your, say to yourself, I'm going to go all in on it without feeling this like crippling risk of not having enough money coming in to put food on your table and a roof over your head is because of the time and energy you put in to building a real estate portfolio before that creates the opportunity for you to have the financial side of your life taken care of so that Mm -hmm. you can make the decision and be like, I got 12 months, I'm going to roll with this because my real estate portfolio allowed that opportunity for me. Yeah. And that's the wrap back into real estate on this. Yeah, can I say as a disclaimer, I have cash flow too. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't I just didn't go a hundred percent all investment. So I have cash flow as well mm-hmm. that covers most of the expenses. But go. I, you know, you don't you don't rely on cash flow. I mean, it's it's there. It's fun sometimes. You might spend some of it, but I also have cash flow, uh, healthy cash flow that that pays for our expenses as mm-hmm. well. I just wanted to be sure that I, you know if if I'm a good 
good husband, a good father, I should always have extra to make sure that we're covered so that, you know, if rents go down or interest rates go up or anything happens to the portfolio, Mm -hmm. I don't want us to be vulnerable and exposed. Yeah. The just in case fund. Yes. 100%. 100%. And yeah. Beautiful. Wayne. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This has been Thanks great. for having me, man. This is this is really cool. And thanks for letting me swear. <laughs> Anytime, brother. <laughs> I don't swear often. I only swear when I'm really passionate about things. And when he's getting a like... ball out of the corner in his uh, ball hockey games. <laughs> Firing up the team. Firing up the team. Guys, yeah. we got character guys in the locker room here. We got to win that title. Wings are on me. <laughs> Oh man, I'm just, you start thinking about who's going to be listening to this podcast. Like, oh man, my dad's going to hear that I quit my job. Shit. And <laughs> all my hockey buddies, be, you know, calling me up. Is, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm privileged that they're, uh, that they may find out about it here on this show. So yeah, you, you got the inside scoop. Yes. <laughs> the exclusive Heard interview. It here first. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Wayne, let's wrap it up Thanks here, man. Know. Appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Just a couple of more things before you take off. If you want to learn more about Revenue, you can check us out at Revenue.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. On YouTube at Revenue with Real Estate, Facebook, Revenue with Real Estate, or on Instagram at Revenue Canada. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, or anything that you want to share with us here at the show, please send us an email to info at revenue.com. Revenue with Real Estate, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to welcoming you to the Revenue with Real Estate community. 